Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Fiction, science fiction, horror, fantasy, crime. LGBT Thriller. You have now entered the House of Mystery. With your hosts, Eric Shapiro, David North Martino, John Copenhaver, and Al Warren. One hundred six point five FM Los Angeles, one hundred two point three FM Riverside, and one hundred five zero AM Palm Springs. We've got a guest who's written a book called *The Other Side of Success: Money and Meaning in the Golden State*. So, but I, I, I think there's a little bit—it's a little deeper story than we expect from the title. Um, so, Martin Sawa, thank you for being here. Hi, Al, and hi, Joey, and uh, thanks so much for having me. Well, of course. You're welcome. It's a pleasure. Um, well, let's, let, first of all, like, okay, so uh, the book you wrote, um, th- there's a lot of meaning behind it. Um, why did you actually uh, write the book and put it out? Like, what were you hoping for? Uh, well, uh, a few years ago, I had um, my my primary profession was in commercial real estate in uh, San Francisco and Los Angeles. And uh, I dropped out of the business uh, about seven, eight years ago and uh, started to do some writing and I wrote some scripts and some essays and then I decided to write this memoir and for the primary reason that the characters I knew and the individual experiences that I had were more intriguing than what I could conjure up in a fictional world. So uh, I wrote the book, and but it's not just a business bio. It gets into a pretty raw accounting of my personal life and of uh, the experiences that I had in that area, including uh, what you might call the paranormal. So it's, um, it's not your average uh, business book. Hmm. Well, you know, but you take a risk by um, exposing some of your um, personal experiences like that, especially when you touch off in paranormal or, or things, per, very personal things that have happened. And that's kind of a risk, so um, it must mean a lot to you to to do that. The, the toughest decision I had before I started writing was how honest did I want to be? And in memoir as opposed to biography, uh, the honesty and the truth is a major factor. And I decided that I had to be either all in or not in at all. And it was very hard. It was very hard. That was uh, the hardest decision. But uh, that's what I went with. And I think it's worked out well in terms of the response I've gotten from readers. So. Hmm. So, um, so it's a real interesting. So now you, um, 
let's give a basic overview of what the story is. So where does it start for you? I, I was the son of Ukrainian immigrant parents uh, who came over after the war. Actually, I was uh, conceived in a displaced persons camp in Austria and birthed on U.S. soil in a small town in rural Wisconsin. And uh, so I grew up there, and then uh, when I was in my early 20s, I moved to California uh, to seek fame and fortune and wound up in Oakland and then uh, later uh, worked in San Francisco. And I was, uh, first I started as a commercial real estate broker uh, negotiating large deals, high-rise office buildings, shopping centers, uh, technology parks and the like, uh, and then reinvented myself a couple more times as a operator and then with a partner as a developer. And we had some major projects in downtown San Francisco. So that's kind of the, the business backbone of the book. But then along the way, I had a number of personal experiences and adventures that were probably more interesting than my business dealings. And uh, I was uh, married three times. Uh, my first wife, she was Native American. And then my second wife, uh, she was... Um, black from the south and she passed away suddenly and unexpectedly and my third wife uh, is also black and from the south so uh, most of the book takes place in Oakland and San Francisco uh, some of in West Los Angeles as well where we lived and um, we look forward to getting into the paranormal side so okay so um so this really kind of started uh, with your second wife, I believe, um, if I'm right. Um, yeah. Now, so let's let's start with how did you and um, and your second wife feel about uh, mediums or psychics or any any of the spiritual sort of side of the world? Like, what what were your feelings on it? Uh, my uh, second wife Anita was very religious. Uh, but not, she kind of shunned the ritual and was really pretty self-directed. And she read the Bible every night, and most importantly, she practiced what she preached. So she was uh, pretty unusual. And after we met and lived together and got married, I discovered that she had some powers. <laughs> and I... If you can picture me, I'm just running around doing deals and living very much in the, what you might call the material plane. And occasionally things would happen. I dismissed them at first. It might be just her, like, um, picking the phone up before it even rang and just launching in a discussion with one of her sisters. Or um, we'd go to the grocery store and, I'd wait in the car, and when she was coming out, there'd be some woman in tattered in rags, and they would get into intense conversation for, you know, 10, 15 minutes. And she came back to the car. I said, who, who is that? And she said, oh, that's just an angel. And then we met characters like imps and, you know, these <laughs> beings from what, what I then started to call the world of the unseen. So it was it was fascinating. It was um, like playing three-dimensional chess because in addition to the obvious agenda, there was always, you know, hidden layers of meaning. Uh, but uh, it was in 1997. Where I was uh, 37 years old at the time, and we had been married about five years. Where we were living in Los Angeles, and uh, I, I can't even remember where I saw an advertisement, but it was for a psychic who was giving a presentation. It was at the Holiday Inn in Hollywood. And something told me, you know, I wanted, I wanted to go see that. And, and again, what I, I, 
up to that time, I believe psychics had crystal balls or ran 1-800 scams. Uh, so, so, so just to, but just to be clear, so you didn't believe in any of it? No, no. Okay, yeah, okay. Oh, can I can I come in there? Sorry. So if you didn't if you didn't believe in any of it, Martin, what were you? What was your thoughts when these things were happening with your wife? And how did you how did you pass off her comments that would you know that was an angel or meeting imps and things? Well, it's it was it was interesting because you know she was wife and lover. <laughs> at the same time and uh, and she was very astute and uh, you know friends would call her all the time for counsel on this or that and it it became interesting because when I asked her to go see the psychic um, she said that she didn't really want to go because of the way psychics were dealt with in the Bible, particularly the Old Testament. Uh, so she didn't believe in psychics and thought they operated from the dark side. So we, it, it wasn't like because I accepted what she did that automatically it translated into believing what people who posed themselves or called themselves psychics uh, did. So I, I knew there were, I, I was starting to there was more to life than met the eye, you know, and, and from a religious perspective, I was raised a Catholic and then kind of fell away from the practice of the faith, uh, but I couldn't put my finger on it, and I, and I was just kind of caught up in it. So going to see the psychic, for me, kind of translated, but not directly. It was just something made me want to go on that day to that, that specific presentation. If, they, if, that, if that makes sense. Yeah, when she was talking, you see, um, if, I, if I was to say to my husband, oh, that's just an angel, that was an imp, he would query it and want to probably dismiss it because of his own belief system. So how, how, did, you, how did you manage that situation where neither of you were believers in psychic or, or had that true in-depth understanding of the paranormal world? How did you make sense then of what she was telling you? Well, well, obviously when I'd say, well, what did she say? And she would tell me, and it was kind of very specific advice on uh, dealing with, you know, a member of her family, for example. And, and that's when it was the kind of the proofs in the pudding. And uh, th this was a subject I couldn't discuss really with many people, especially business colleagues. Because mm. you know their eyes would roll back and they'd start making woo-woo noises. But uh, I live my life. One of the central themes of the other side of success is putting skin in the game and relying on direct visceral experience and not what people say or what you see on TV or what you read about in books. And so I would immerse myself in. There was there was a legitimacy to, and I believed the truth of what what um, what uh, she she experienced. Uh, I, I couldn't describe it more and couldn't talk about it with anyone, but I kind of went along for the ride, and there was uh, it was remarkable. So so next up, so you guys went to see this. Uh, medium in the Holiday Inn. So, so talk about that. How did that ha how did that go? Well, we show up and it's in one of their conference rooms. There's probably about thirty people, and you know we're all sitting there, and there's just a little stool at the front. And this woman comes in, and she sits on the stool and says, "Hi, my name is Mary Jo," and she looked like a suburban housewife, which she was at the time and perfectly quote normal and she was like cheerful and said I'm going to go into a trance and she didn't really describe what she was going to do and you know the audience uh, I'd, I'd say half or more people like myself 
and Anita, you know, uh, skeptics. And the other half were probably, you know, maybe had, had some prior contact and were kind of attentive and all of that. Uh, and then she went into trance. And the way I describe in the book, her voice changed and became kind of a disembodied Irish brogue. And I'm going, shit. <laughs> and, and then, without warning, she just went to the first person in the first row and drilled. Uh, this was uh, a man. She drilled him and exposed a personal secret with such specificity that you could see the guy's face go white. And then she gave him some helpful advice on a current issue he was dealing with. And she went down the road. And, you know, by, by the time she gets to the fourth person, like everybody else is kind of fidgety by now. <laughs> and I'm going, you know, and I need a whisper, you know, careful what you wish for. So she did that and came to us and told Anita about an event in her life uh, which I didn't even know about. And she kind of took it easy on me, just gave me some health advice. But uh, we walked out of that. We couldn't speak. We went to the parking garage, and the guy who got the first reading, we saw him get in his car. He was so shaken, he backs up in a concrete post and then just speeds away. <laughs> and so it, we, we didn't know what to think. But something had happened, and at least in my mind, had clicked, and that was my introduction. Hmm. So, um, so, so you went home after that, and um, life carried on. Did it have any change on you at, at, with your life at that time? Not, not right in the in the, in the ensuing kind of weeks and months, because I was so. I was so busy, I was at the top of my game uh, at that time. And um, it's uh, commercial real estate. I've always done it as an entrepreneur, you know, either on commissions or, you know, as, as, a, as a business, uh, as an own business. So you, you have to operate at 110%. If you operate at 50%, it doesn't produce half the income. It produces no income. So I just got caught up in that, and then uh, later I dropped out of brokerage at the, again at the top of my game and just decided to try some other things, and I had a little extra time, so I reconnected with Mary Jo, and she was giving her a retreat at that time in Florida. Uh, she, never, she never came back to L.A. That was just her one, one time there. And so Anita and I went to the retreat, and it was, again, just more of the same, just uh, establishing her credibility with information. You know, you can't possibly believe how she got it. And we got to know her and uh, found out she was um, a Christian woman, and so Anita kind of softened her stance there and asked her how she got started, and which is a story probably familiar to you guys, but uh, she had these powers she noticed as a child and kind of denied them. And then as a teenager, and she had read about Edgar Casey. They were born about 200 miles apart and eventually just uh, felt she had no other life path but to do that. <laughs> and... Uh, Martin, can I can I take this back a little bit? Um, I'm probably known on this show for for just being a bit of a thinker, and then I come in and I've got to know more about this bit. So um, I'm really interested in so you're at the top of your game in real estate. Um, you've let the incident with the psychic kind of go by the wayside. It's shown you some insight, but um, you know you're busy. You've just got on with life. And it was just, a, you know, one of those things that you've attended in your life and, and been amazed at. And then all of a sudden you've decided, you make the decision at the top of your game to come out of that and then reconnect with that medium who is no longer in the vicinity, 
how did that happen? What what made you suddenly think we need to can, not only go and see a medium again, but why that medium? Why so far away? And why not somebody else that's much more local to you? Well, well no. Well, she, she never lived in L.A. She was living in Baton Rouge at the time. Yeah. And had just, uh, for whatever reason, been in L.A. and gave a presentation. So she was always far away. Yeah. Uh, but as you know, with mediumship, you, you do it by phone as easily as you do it in person. So the, the distance wasn't, wasn't an issue per se. Uh, I've, I've had experiences, uh, and some of them are detailed in the book, uh, where I, faith happens, faith as an F-A-T-E, mm -hmm. although F-A-I-T-H, faith also happened to me. And I just go, I go with my gut, and I've done that on deals where, you know, you're at a key negotiating point or, and you have a lot at stake, you have a lot of skin in the game, and, uh, you you just go with your gut, and so that's the way I've kind of lived my life. Uh, but I, I thought about her, but I felt there was a whole area I needed to investigate, and I just didn't have the time. So part of that was after we got back from the retreat, then again I had some free time now. It's kind of between occupations, and I really studied uh, mediums and history. I subscribed to Skeptic Magazine. I bought books on stage magic. You know, I read, I read, I read quote, the literature, because uh, I really wanted to understand the subject on an intellectual level as well and to gauge its veracity. And uh, after all of that, I, I came to the conclusion that, you know, the, the vast majority of people who advertise themselves as psychics probably have no special abilities and and in some cases just run a fraudulent enterprise but but there's a tiny handful you know I don't know one out of a hundred whatever it's it's uh, there's a tiny handful who are truly skilled and can provide valuable information through unexplainable means is the best way I can put it. And so I decided then that this is something I want to take advantage of. And so we, we've talked throughout the interview with you about mediums and psychics, um, and you'll have done your research and will be aware that, that there's, the view is that they're very different, actually. Um, so so what, what was um, this particular person you went to see? Was she more medium or psychic? Well, I, 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 I didn't really differentiate. In, in fact, I think she called herself a soul intuitive. So the, the language, I, I didn't care. I wanted to know the, you know, see the results and test them. And uh, the, the format was, you know, I'd schedule a call, and she would pick up and ask if I wanted to do it. In, in trance or not, and usually I'd pick trance, and then she would be a channel for what she called her guides, and uh, she would read mental images. It would be numbers and letters, colors, and kind of translate those into, you know, human language and provide information uh, on different topics of, of a deceased relative or on health issues and other things and then provide advice uh, that might help me deal with problems at hand so it wasn't like uh, telling fortunes or making predictions it was a lot like going to a therapist <laughs> except you know she did most of the talking and always told me you know not to provide any information and if she wanted to you know, she might ask a question, just answer simple yes or no. So that's kind of how it went. And also, and this helped solidify my belief. She, she said, you only want to do this maybe a couple of times a year. So she wasn't pushing me with a hard sell. And 
I respected that as, as, a, as a business person. And so we, our relationship developed from that point on. You're, you're kind of developing a relationship and stuff like that. How is that affecting your work and people around you at that time? Um, I, I didn't talk about it with anyone. Oh, you kept it secret. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, obviously Anita knew about it. but I don't If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. I don't know if anyone else does. Um, it's... I don't. I mean, at that time, and particularly in the world that I lived in, the the business world, and this was doing, you know, the mega deals. Uh, you you just wouldn't talk about that. Uh, I part, part of, and also, I mean, I'm not trying to uh, tell anyone or make. Observations on the authenticity or legitimacy of psychic mediumship, but you know, in my deals, I dealt with some of the biggest players in the game and uh, developed a pretty good BS detector. So I brought some of that into play just in the evaluation. I mean, I I do a thorough evaluation and I go with my gut, and if it works, uh, even if I can't explain it, uh, I'm going to take advantage of it. So. I didn't really talk with anyone. I had these calls in private and kept notes and sometimes kept an audio tape. Hmm. Uh, w- did your wife get involved with these uh, calls as well, or did she do them herself? Uh, she may have done one, but she, she, I think she kind of just, she, she still struggled with it in terms of her religious beliefs and no longer believed those coming from the dark side. But couldn't quite couldn't quite fit it into her biblical worldview, so she just kind of let me go about my business with it. Hmm. 
What were you hoping to gain um, by by these conversations? Uh, what I hope for in most aspects, and that's to make better life choices. <laughs> I mean, it comes down to that. Uh, and particularly in my relationships with people and people who have passed. Uh, and then I would also... I would always ask, you know, about my daughter. We were very close, and my stepchildren, and get get advice in those areas. Hmm. It sounds like that this this lady was falling much more on a mediumship kind of level than than purely. And I don't mean to dismiss the work of psychics, but but in terms of that communication, you've just talked about wanting to reconnect with and develop those relationships with those that are past and understand those a bit more. Um, I'm, I'm really quite, I suppose, intrigued by um, this, this, this psychic, this medium, was a, was a Christian woman. Um, she would have been very well placed to, to try and support your wife with her understanding of how um, the ability connects and, and is attuned to, um, to Christianity. Um, was that ever explored? Was there ever a, uh, a conversation? No, because uh, my wife was a very strong personality, uh, and she she would read the Bible and then she would write her own exegesis, and she'd write these um, yellow eagle pad, these lengthy explanations of passages and things. And she got all, like me, she got the, all the valuable input she could get and then made her own decisions. So uh, I think the experience was a breakthrough for her, but it wasn't one that she felt she had to uh, use in the same way I did. So, so well, I guess, well, what was it that, that made you feel... Um, that you needed guidance to make decisions when you were doing so well you were at the top of your game and as you've rightly said you know you, you put over 100% into your work ethic and then you, you know gave that some, some real analysis and went with your gut feeling um, so you trusted must have trusted your, your gut feeling with some incredibly um, difficult transactions so what made you feel then that this the psychic was going to offer you more and enhance your life and relationships? Well, uh, the title of the book is The Other Side of Success. So while I was doing great in terms of my business life, I wasn't doing so great in terms of my personal life. And um, there's a lot in the book, and that's... <laughs> That's where I needed direction, and and at the same time now I was relying more and more on Anita for spiritual direction. Uh, that's where I was lacking in in my life. And was there anything? Sorry, was there anything the medium said that you didn't agree with that you you decided to not take forward? Well, it, it, it wasn't like, oh, uh, you know, you're going you're gonna to be presented this deal in two months that you, you have to uh, walk away from or anything like that. It was, um, again, talking or getting feedback from uh, deceased relatives. It was talking about uh, the health of my children. It was talking about my relationship with Anita and what what my really true feelings were and how because I was uh, I was drinking a lot and just, there was a lot of issues and it was in that area where she gave good counsel and sometimes it was counterintuitive um, but it was usually pretty reliable Hmm. Okay, so that after <clears throat> this was going on, then what was the big event that happened that was sort of a, a, a big change in your life? 
Well, in 2002, uh, Anita and I have been together about 10, 11 years. Uh, one night we were going out for dinner, and uh, I, we were running late. I was in my home office, and she was getting ready in the, the bathroom. And I called out to her, and I she never called back. And so after a while, I, and I couldn't get in, I tried to open the door, and finally I pushed it open, and she was just lying, lying on the floor. So to make a long story short, she had literally dropped dead. And uh, the police came, and then the coroner, and three hours later, I'm alone without her. And like the saying goes, if life doesn't get your attention, death will. And so I was, I was like I say in the book, like I felt like a cork on a dark sea, just bobbing. And I was, in the ensuing days, thought about suicide. And just the way it was, uh, there's no way to describe it. Hmm. So after that happened, where where did you find yourself going? Well, I've always been pretty self-directed. I went to see a grief therapist and but explained to her what I was doing on my own, and she thought that was made sense. So, and my daughter, um, she I think initially just by checking in forcibly with me kept me from you know, doing what I was thinking of doing. And then I, I got into studying death. I called my partner at our business and just told him I had to take some time off. And um, I studied death, and and then I called Mary Jo. And more than anybody else, she's the one that got me through it. Wow. So, so after all is said and done. So after this, how, how do you feel about mediums now? Where where is it gone for you? Well, it, as a result of after my wife died, and I had several calls with Mary Jo in the ensuing months. Um, the what I got is that. A relationship can survive physical death, and the book details the conversations I had with Anita after she passed through via Mary Jo, and then a few years later, I was still the old skepticism kind of resurfaced, so I vetted a number of mediums and found one who you know had a I call an international reputation and called him and he knew nothing about me and I didn't say anything at all and during that call Amelia, or Anita immediately pushed all the other spiritual communicants to the side and sort of we resumed our conversation and, and that was that was very compelling and of course on every call there would be some piece of information revealed that no one, no one else could possibly know. So uh, our relationship continued, and that's <laughs> that's the story. Hmm. You you put a, a lot of trust into Mary Jo through through that time, and then suddenly there was this skepticism that led you to go after all of that time. Um, to another medium so what was it what was that turning point for you Martin where you thought you know what I've just got I've got to check this out I've got to make sure I am speaking to my wife well, I think it's just kind of the way again I've lived my life and, and all the, even in business if um, I was being very successful for example in the late 1980s selling properties to the Japanese if you remember that era they were buying up all the major buildings in the U.S. 
but something told me like this isn't going to go on forever and I better just to be on the safe side put some new irons in the fire so I, I think it was it wasn't like I had lost any confidence in Mary Jo but, but I'm saying what what if after all these years somehow you know maybe I could have been wrong or maybe another psychic assuming they're that skilled uh, has a different vantage point because now it's years later so things change with time and again they're just they're like radios uh, they're just they get a signal <laughs> and sometimes it's pretty strong and sometimes it's pretty weak and how they interpret the symbol and what they tell you is like variable and the best ones say they only write a fraction of the time so I think it was part of that. It wasn't just some deep skepticism, but just uh, just taking another gut check. It was probably describing. So you know, if 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 someone picks up your book, takes it home and reads it, besides the uh, business skills that you put into it, and 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 some and your life uh, of how you know you become successful even though there was a lot of challenges is there an underlying story or theme or something you want someone to get out of the book besides the the on top story uh, certainly the skin in the game but in terms of the big picture um, and this is I don't want to call it advice but uh, I've done some mentorship, and the the question, the first question I always ask is, what do you believe to be true? Okay, what do you believe to be true? And that's in any aspect of life, um, especially in today's day and age, when we're bombarded with sensory images, you know, relentlessly. Uh, and the vast majority is fake, for lack of a better word. Uh, but it also starts with your worldview. If you believe that life starts at zero and ends at zero, then you're going to live life in a certain way. If you believe that only that which can be demonstrated through the scientific method to be, quote, true, then that's what you believe and you're going to live in a certain way. But if you believe there's more to life than meets the eye uh, and that it didn't start at zero nor will it end at zero, but it's one, one process, one journey, then you're going to live in a certain way. So that's the message. Has this changed your religious outlook? Well, yeah, that's another thematic aspect of the book. I was raised as a Catholic in this small town, and after I went to college, fell away from the practice. Uh, then when I married Anita, it got me back on the track. Uh, but I wasn't been fully commit for years after that until I went to a Jesuit retreat in about 2008-2009 and then readopted the practice of my fit and along the way uh, you know studying and practice Buddhism I studied the uh, Torah uh, with a very astute rabbi and, you know, did other things. So, yeah, I, I found home in the end in the religious side as well. So what do you think mediums are then? Like, from your opinion now, after all you've been through, um, why do you think there are mediums? And psychics, you know, say the ones that you believe are real, that are that are pretty accurate. Why do you believe they're here? I I just uh, I've come to accept it. 
as proto-life. And the world of the unseen, it's that, that's the mystery. It's not wholly explainable <laughs> in kind of material terms. And, you know, whether it's a psychic, whether it's someone like Anita, uh, whether it's, you know, a celebrated prophet or mystic from history, uh, they they access information that wouldn't be available otherwise. And they the they they have credibility just in, in, in terms of the things that they can reveal. And it's part of trying to solve the big questions which are unsolvable. Uh, you know, some people do it through art, some through other means. But I see them all as part of that, and that's why the book I named it the other side, uh, not just referring to the flip side of material success, but to the spirit world, <laughs> and that's part of life. It's part of life. Hmm. So, where do you see yourself in ten years? Well, I just turned seventy-one, so. Every day I wake up on top of the grass is a good day, Al. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> well, I mean, are you are are you back to work at all, or are you just you're just retired? Well, uh, I, I dropped out of the business, and it may be just a long time out, or it may be something more. But um, now, having written the book, I'm out on my virtual book tour, and it's it's a lot of fun, and this has my full attention, at least, you know, for the coming months. And then uh, I'll see what faith has in store for me to write, write perhaps a book or a script or, you know, go back to the, the business or do something entirely new and different. Hmm. Pretty interesting. Now, now you're doing a, a book tour. So as um, have you got a website or do you have a place that you want people to come find out about you or connect up with yeah, you? Yeah, well, the book it's called The Other Side of Success. The subtitle is Money and Meaning in the Golden State. It's got a nice orange cover with a picture of the San Francisco-Oakland Bay Bridge. Uh, you can go to Amazon. It's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, other major online booksellers, and just click the button. Uh, to find out more about the book, you can go to martinsawa.com. Uh, that's my website. And if you want to check in with me, there's a little box where you can send me a message. So it couldn't be easier. Hmm. Now, so um, do you have a different point of view on money now? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> What, 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 well, has it changed you uh, in a business sense? Because you were, you were a, you know, big hitter. You're going for the big numbers and, and, and doing all these wheels and deals. And now, everything you've been through. Let's say you were, you know, 35. Um, now, um, would you do things differently? Well, you you can't put toothpaste back in the tube. Right. You know? Yeah. Uh, I grew up. My parents arrived with two suitcases, <laughs> and you know they built a life. And the, the dream of every immigrant family is that the kids will do better, be better than they were. And that was my dream for my daughter, and she's exceeded my expectations. Uh, so I was when I, I had a real job. And my first wife was pregnant with her daughter, and I was driving, commuting from Oakland to San Jose. I was a city planner, and I was dead broke. And one day I just quit and said, I'm never going to go back to a real job no matter what it takes. And I went into commercial real estate investment sales, purely on commissions, and started doing bigger and bigger deals, eventually paid off the loans I had taken out, uh, and the, the money w is, was very important. 
but for me, uh, even then, it wasn't. It gave me freedom of choice more than anything. And then it was the, it was the adrenaline rush from closing a major deal. It's it's hard to describe, but it's that that's what really kind of enervated me. And then you get caught up in the life, and um, and it's hard to step back if you're doing well. And the older you get, the harder it gets. So I had these, all these wake-up calls, and thankfully. Uh, but without them, you know, I would still be doing what I was doing. Hmm. Interesting life. Um, wow. <clears throat> That's quite the story. Um, you're going you're gonna to write another book to follow up, maybe? Well, maybe, but uh, I may rate it on my uh, stepson, and I'm not going to tell you too much about it, but uh, towards the end of the book, he became, um, uh, his story is, I would say, you know, goes beyond my story in terms of what he overcame personally to achieve success. So, Hmm. that may be the next book. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's nothing like personal experiences and stuff. So, wow. Well, it's been an interesting conversation. I'm glad you came on, and um, we will have your book and website linked to ours as well, so people listening can find you quite easily. And um, we'll see what happens. But um, our guest has been Martin Sawa, and the book we're talking about is The Other Side of Success, Money, and Meaning, in the Golden State. Thank you for being here, Martin. Thanks, Al. Thanks, Julie. Thank you. To find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.